let's continue. Last week I had started uh, a message called Press In, Press On, and Press Up. So let's stand a moment. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And more than ever before, as I was uh, praying and asking God for a word for his people, uh, the Lord placed this in my spirit. And just this way, press in, press on, and press up. So last week I shared on that first part, press in. There are two more uh, parts of this message. Today I'll share on press on, and next week, press up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Say with me, I press on. I press on. Amen. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray, the Holy Spirit, that you would move mightily today by your word. Father, we recognize and acknowledge, Lord God, that you honor your word. So today, Lord God, we rejoice in you. We rejoice in your faithfulness, my God. We praise you. We give you the glory. I pray, Lord God, minister to us through your word. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. So last week I shared that the word press means to urge with importunity. Importunity is you urge somebody over and over and over. You don't give up. You drive forth with continued pressure. There's a pressure when you press in, and you're the one putting the pressure. Have you ever been in a place where you're under pressure to perform, to get something done, a deadline at work? How many of you um, really freak out the day before vacation? Those that just came from vacation. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, most people don't realize this, but the statistics overwhelmingly agree that the day before vacation, you accomplish a lot more than you do um, at most times of the year. You hyper-organize, you get everything, all your ducks in a row, you actually uh, manage, you do logistical work because you have to deal with hotels, you have to deal with the airlines, you might have to deal with the crews, uh, you have to deal with family, but you organize in such a way that if you were to do that on a consistent basis, you would be absolutely amazing. But most of the time, we only uh, uh, get into that high level of performance the high level of accomplishment the day before vacation. So when we press, which is, that's a good example, but we have many scriptural examples which I shared last week. When we press, it's a continued pressure until you attain the, the, the very thing that you're after. It's to seek with pressure to bring about a change or desired or needed result. And it's also seeking. You know, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. But the Amplified says, seek and keep on seeking, which is what the original Greek was implying. It was not just to seek once, to try it once. Ah, this doesn't work. I tried it once. It doesn't work. No, you have to continue to push. You need to continue to press. You need to not give up. You need to not give in. 
You need to not give up. You press until you see the answer. In sales, it is widely recognized when you go to sales school that most salesmen will never really be 100% successful because they give up after the first to, to third try. They'll only try once to three times. The master salesmen know that most of the sales come after the fifth to the ninth attempt. I know no, nobody said amen, because most of you aren't salespeople. But if you were a salesperson, you'd say, you know, you're right, you're right, you're preaching good. But that's the truth. And what happens is most of us in life, we only try once, maybe twice, maybe three times, and then we give up. We dare not try again. But the truth of the matter is, is the victory comes when we apply Matthew 7 and we say to ourselves, you know, I'm going to seek until I find. There is such an amazing favor on those that work with this principle. It says, no option. This has got to get done. Anybody ever said the buck stops here? When you just know that you know that you know that you know that this has to get done, no ifs, buts about it. Something magical happens. You find the very things you're looking for. You achieve the things that you thought were in one point impossible. And scripture bears that out. Jesus himself says it. Seek and you shall find. But seek and keep on seeking and keep on seeking. Don't give up. And he was talking about his kingdom. He was talking about the very things that he has placed here in this earth realm and his very grace, his very favor that's found in his word. If we keep on seeking, we will find. When I tried that thing, it doesn't work. Um, excuse me, you gave up. The person that doesn't give up will find. Jesus says, seek, keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened unto you. And what's the other one? There you go, ask. But it says, ask and keep on asking. You know why McDonald's, even though it sells the cheapest burgers in probably most of the world, makes more money than the average great local place that actually makes great burgers? Because they're always asking. Think about it. You go to the bus, advertisement. You go to AOL. I hate what they're doing to the Internet. Everything I want to see, you have to look at a commercial first. What's a commercial? It's an ask. And McDonald's keeps on asking and asking and asking. And you finally go, all right, fine. Give me a burger. Do you want to supersize it? What's that? It's an ask on top of an ask. And most of the time we say, yeah, give me supersized fries. They just finished making more money off you, and you didn't even realize that they're sailing you up. Think about it. And we are always afraid of asking. The poor man, when they get old, they're full of regrets because they knew they could have asked also and received. I never heard that before. That, that was like, that's like a first-time quote. That was actually very good. Think about it. Isn't that true? Most poor folk aren't poor because they had no options. Most poor folk are poor because they don't know how to ask. And then they don't know how to manage the very things that come to their hand. There's another thing to it. But think about it. If you were to ask everybody for something, right now there are people that get dressed dirty and bummy. I just made up another word. They dress bummy. You know what I'm talking about, right? You see them in the train. 
You see them outside in Midtown, and they're dragging their bodies, and they look all disheveled. At the end of the day, they take those clothes off, and they finish it, and they pay their rent, and they do a lot of stuff. Some of them, it is purported, I've heard some reports, and I've seen some exposés, some, some of these guys make 500 to 1,000 a week. There was one lady who she is bent over, but you, you, she looks terrible, and she walks like this, and she looks old, and she walks like that. They did an expose on her. You saw the expose? They actually hung out with her all day, looking and looking and looking. At the end of the day, she gets into a van. She's a young lady. Goes to a house, lives in a nice house in Queens. Next day, she takes the train again or gets on that van. As soon as she comes out of the van, she's... She does it good, too. So the lady came up to her and says, what's the matter with you? Oh, can you help me? I says, well, why should I help you? you, you, you you're normal. I, I, I followed you to your house. You have a, live a, you have a nice house. <laughs> it was too funny. It was too funny, but it was embarrassing for her. She got caught. Ask. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking you to, you know, go like that. <laughs> if I see you Monday doing that, I'm up. Say, get off of that. That's not what I was preaching. Making a point, making a point, making a point. We're afraid, though. We're afraid of asking. But yet the Bible says we got to get into an attitude of warfare where we're not going to take no for an answer. Hallelujah. So we know it's there. God already said it. Jesus said, ask, you will receive. I already put it here in this earth realm. I've already put the stuff that you need here in this earth realm. You just need to know that and go after it. Uh, but they told me no. Too bad. Suck it up. Go next time. Come on, people. Toughen up. It doesn't work for me. Come up here so I can lay hands on you right now. No, we got to toughen up. People, it's a time, and, and I'm being jovial about it, but, uh, but we have to get serious a moment, and that is that the world, they don't care about you. They don't love you. They don't want you around. They're confused, and, and they don't understand that you're a king, you're a priest. And, and the devil doesn't want you to have uh, the wisdom of God, the grace of God. He doesn't want you to flow like a king or a priest. He wants you to walk around defeated and beat up. But it's time to press in. Uh, last week when the Lord shared that, it was almost like an urgency. Tell my people they have to press in. It's already there, but they have to press in. Because nothing that you're going to receive in the kingdom of God is going to go without warfare. There's a warfare connected with these people. The enemy doesn't want you to have it. He's going to fight you. Remember Daniel? He was praying for wisdom. He prays, God, I need wisdom on this. Nothing happened. So he said, okay, I'm a fast because I know you're a God of wisdom. And I know when I pray, you hear me. So he started fasting. He fasted one day, three days, five, nothing. Seven days, nothing. Fourteen days, nothing. Twenty days, nothing. He kept on pressing in, pressing in, asking. He kept on seeking, seeking out. On the 21st day, an archangel shows up, special delivery. Oh, yeah, man, archangel? Come on, come on, an archangel? That's one of the highest-ranking beings in the heavens. It wasn't a regular delivery angel. It was an archangel. He comes down, he says, listen, I've been sent to you the first day you ask. The first day 
I had been sent, but I was, I've been in warfare all this time in the heavenlies. I've been held up by the prince of Persia. In other words, over every region, there are demonic principalities that are holding up what belongs to us. God released it, but in the midst of the transference, it was being held up. But the man of God stood his ground. The man of God didn't give up. The man of God didn't give in. The man of God didn't say, okay, fine, I give up. No, he kept on seeking. He kept on pressing in. Praise God. And we've got to toughen up, people, because what you have, what's yours, is there. It's about ready to come in. But there's a warfare. There's a warfare against your stuff. There's a warfare against your inheritance. There's a warfare against that which God wants to flow in you and through you. You're the one in your breakthrough generation. You're the one that's going to take your generation and your family to the next level. You're the one that's going to get the breakthrough. But the Lord says to you, you've got to press. You've got to seek. You've got to take it to the next level. Hallelujah. So the word seek, it means to look, to endeavor, to find by any means. Seek and you shall find. In the Amplified, seek and keep on seeking. Praise God. Jesus said we need to press into the kingdom. He says, seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness first. And then all these things shall be added to you. Notice the order. We seek first and then the things come. It's not like the things come and then we seek. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy because God gave me everything, so now I'm going to praise him. No, praise him in your mess. Praise him in your problem. Praise him in the midst of your issues. Praise him in the midst of the pain. Praise him in the midst of the disappointment. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody here today. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him. Seek him. Press. When somebody presses in, they realize there is more. They refuse to stay in the same place anymore. They realize that to stay in the same place is to acknowledge defeat. And that one doesn't believe that anything will happen. They believe, they're in a, or rather they are in a place of disillusion and doubt, so they're going to press out of that. They're committed to go deeper, to break through the status quo. They're rejecting the voices telling you to stay in your lane. In your station, you don't deserve better. I don't care what people say about me. I'm going to seek what God has for me. Hallelujah. A lot of people told me I'm only going to get to a certain level. And I, I, don't, I don't respect those voices. I only respect the voices of those who have heard God for me. And I know that means that when they talk to me, they're going to stir me upward. They're going to stir me forward. They're going to push me ahead. They're going to push me to go higher. See, those forces that are, put, that, that are trying to take me back, I'm going to break through. Because God has given me the anointing to break through. God has given me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know I have to go through these things, but they're only going to make me stronger. They're not going to destroy me. They're going to make me stronger. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These voices, we reject the voices. That are telling us, shut up, sit down, you can't do it. We acknowledge that the answer is on the other side of the press. Wow, 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 wow. The answer is on the other side of the press. 
In other words, without press, there's no answer. Without press, there's no wisdom. Without press, there's no understanding. Without press, there's no breakthrough. There's a fight, and you are more than a conqueror. Because someone already fought the battle for you. Praise God. They know if they don't give up, they will see the miraculous hand of God in the midst of their situation. Hallelujah. We must press in to obtain our inheritance. The enemy will fight to take it from us, but when we submit to God, resist the devil. An example last week I shared, what about Joseph? Joseph pressed in. Joseph had to deal with a whole country of people that refused to believe. Joseph was in prison. He pressed in. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He still pressed in. In the midst of prison, God started prospering him. In the midst of prison, he got an interview. How does that happen? Only God. If somebody knew me, then I'd get the promotion. Excuse me, Joseph was forgotten. Joseph was in a place, and I'm not talking about a handsome prison. In those days, it's not like today. Prison was really prison. Today, it's like, you know, a two-year vacation. Maybe not, but it's not as bad as the old days. There's still some prisons like that in certain parts of the world. Dirty and over, overloaded with people, humanity. Maybe take a shower once a month or so. I mean, just horrible conditions. People get sick there. Joseph was in one of those prisons, forgotten, and yet God went and met him there. So don't think that you're in a place that's impossible for God to reach you. Uh Uh-uh, sorry. God is everywhere. David even said it. David said, even if I'm under the water, you'll find me. If I go to the sky, you'll find me. Even if I make my house in in hell, you'll find me. You can't can't hide from God. And some people say that in the negative. They go, oh, you can't hide before God. You can't hide from me. He's going to get you. He's going to get you. No, that's, that's negative. That's, what about? He's with you wherever you are. Even when people forgot, he's still there with you. He knows exactly where you're at. And he'll pull you out at the right time, the right season. Sometimes he lets you go through a season because there's something he's teaching you. Sometimes there's a season of waiting for the completion of some things that need to happen before you come into the ascendancy. So you have to be patient. Ask and be patient. Ask and be patient. Ask and know that there's coming a time where he's going to shift. Say when we shift. There's coming a time where your shift is on its way. Glory to God. Joseph became a great leader. King Saul refused to obey God, refused to submit to God. What happened? He lost his legacy. He lost his life. He lost his, his son lost his life. He lost his, 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 his position as a leader. God would have made a great leader out of him. He would have given him a great legacy, but because he refused to trust God, refused to walk with God. You look at his story, and all it gives you is sadness. Peter pressed in, even though he made a lot of mistakes, even though, even, even though he failed. He failed Jesus, and yet he still became a great leader. Why? Because he knew how to repent. He knew how to go before God's God. I blew it. Help me. The rich young ruler which lived at the same time that Peter lived. When Jesus told him, come and follow me, he said, I can't, I got too much money. <laughs> Jesus told him, yeah, you, you want to you get into heaven? Fine, come follow me uh, and take all your money, give it to the poor, and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll, I'll make you great. Oh, I can't do that, I got too much money. He loved his money over 
the, the thought of serving God, the thought of being in partnership with God, it didn't appeal him to him like his money appealed to him. So what do we hear about the rich young ruler after that? Nothing. Nothing. So what, what, in the future, what are they going to say about you? What, what is history going to talk about you, say about you? Are you going to be a great leader? Are you going to be remembered by your sons and daughters, your spiritual sons and daughters, your grandchildren? Is the church going to put a plaque in your name because you did such wonderful things? I mean, I don't care about the plaque, but you know what I'm saying, that they appreciated you. Or, yeah, this person used to go to church. He used to, but he left. Who? Yesterday I had an interesting situation. I, I'm saved 45 years now. I went to a Spanish Pentecostal church at 15 years old. I got saved there. I had some beautiful spiritual fathers and mothers there. They helped mentor me. They would take me by the ear when I needed to. In those days, it was different. Church was a lot tougher. You had to obey, and if you didn't, they would take you by the ear and put you, bring you right to parents. And uh, since I was the only one, parents weren't there for me. You know, parents were home. They wouldn't go to church. I was the only one who went to church. Um, they would just basically lift me up by the ear and sit me down next to them. And I thank God for them. A lot of times, you know, my, my spiritual dad there, he passed away many years ago. But yesterday, I'm, I'm in a place, a beautiful conference in the Bronx, and suddenly I see somebody I recognize. It's one of the people that went to church with me when we were young, and they started Calvary Christian Fellowship, so I went to say hello to them. They're the founders of Calvary Christian Fellowship, so it was cool to see them, uh, Aramis and Rebecca Torres. And I said, hey, how are you doing? He says, listen, my father saw you on the flyer, and he, he, he made us come here today. He says, what? Yeah, he's right in the back. So one of my spiritual dads, who's in his 90s now, came from North, North Jersey to the Bronx just to see me. It was awesome. And so, he, he, so I went to the back. I, I had to pray for a whole group of people. I left them. I left everybody in the front. You know, altar, everybody's there. Wave. Oh, wait, hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> I did one of those because it was so overwhelming to him. So when I saw him, he just looked at me. He said, Victor, come on, He grabs me, and, and he's so excited to see me. And I'm, of course, I'm excited to see him. I'm honored. But it was such a tender moment, such a precious moment. And the only thing I was able to tell him is, thank you. Today I'm still standing because of what you did when I was young, the ears that you pulled when I was young. You, you know, you rebuked me when I needed to. So I, I'm so grateful to you. And the next one was another gentleman. I looked at him. I know him too. Except he's like way older. I haven't seen them in 30-something years, right? So I look at him and says, that's Aramis's father. So I go to him and I says, sir, you remember? Oh, Victor. <laughs> wow. So I had a moment there. I really did. It was just so cool. And meanwhile, uh, Pastor Puras called me. Oh, uh, also, we need you to pray. We need you to And I'm like, oh. <laughs> It was so touching. But those men have a great legacy. And they're still here, praise God. Uh, their, their wives are already passed on, you know, so, uh, you know, and I remember them too. But what will people remember you for? And, and one of the sons w was able to attest to them. And not only that, he saw me actively ministering. So that to him, that was a confirmation of, of an honor that is given to him. That's his fruit that's one of the stars on his crown. In heaven, when they speak of him, they'll see his 
spiritual sons and, and daughters. So when we press, you know, God, He honors that. He honors the press. You don't think He honors the press? What about that woman with a flow of blood? Well, she pressed in. She needed to get that answer. She needed to touch the hem of His garment. And she pressed and pressed and pressed until she touched the hem of his garment. And out of all the people there, the only one that allowed power to flow from his body, he, he felt virtue come out of his body, was that woman who dared to press. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and then we, we had Joshua and Caleb. They pressed. A, 40 years later or 45 years later, they received their mountain. And all the rest of the people, no, they died in the desert. Ten spies died in the desert. So this verse, last, last week I shared it with you, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, when we do the will of God, God will give us what he promised. It says, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. But look at verse 38, because that really, really moves me. But, if my, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Wow. And verse 39 says, we are not those, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and are saved. See, so we need to press in, people. We need to press in. Remember what I told you? I think last week I also I said that. If you're in an airplane and I give you a parachute and I say, sit down with this parachute, it'll make you feel better, it'll make your life better, you'll enjoy it, and you sit down and the parachute is cumbersome, it's heavy. And you know, in these airplanes today, the, the seats are very tight. You sit and you're like this. You say, this isn't, this isn't making me more comfortable. No, of course not. Here, take it. I don't want it. But if I come to that same person, listen, plane's going down in 10 minutes. Put on this parachute because it's going to save your life. You don't care how uncomfortable it is. You're going to hold on for dear life. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are preaching it the wrong way today. They're saying, hey, come to the Lord. He'll make your life better. No. The moment you come to Jesus, the enemy's going to attack you. He's going to try to take your faith. He's going to try to take the word that God shared with you. He's going to try, try to take the promises of God away from you. But you hold on to the gospel. It doesn't make a difference how they criticize you. It doesn't make a difference because that's going to save your life. When everybody bows before Jesus, the only thing that's going to make a difference is whether we receive them or not. Some will say, come, enter the joy of your Lord. Some will say, get away from me, I never knew you. Wow. See, so when we're looking at this, when we're talking about pressing in, when we're talking about um, honoring God, I, listen, I'd rather please God. Rather than being rich and famous. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people will be very wealthy and they'll still love God. So it's not about the money. But I'm saying, if I had to choose, I'm going to choose God. Well, if you uh, serve God, if you're going to lose your job, I'd I serve God. Uh, the apostles, they were going to beat him up. They said, well, you know, you better. Otherwise, we rather serve God. We rather choose to obey God rather than man. And they got beat up. And then they, you know, threw him out of the city. And then they went out glorifying God. If you were to get spit tomorrow because of the, go the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would you do? If tomorrow you were to lose your, your job because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would you do? 
Some people would say, oh, this thing ain't working, man. God doesn't love me. He's letting me go through this nonsense. No, it's not that he's letting you. No, it's the enemy's attacking you. And God's seeing that. Whatever the enemy takes from you, he has to restore it back. But sometimes there are seasons that you'll go through persecution. And those, who, those that stand the persecution, that pleases God. Because you're choosing to trust God over man. Sometimes it gets tough for a Christian. Say to your neighbor, sometimes your Christian walk will get tough. Everybody said it to each other, and they were smirking. They were going, not smirk, it was like a, sometimes you'll go through. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's tough. I don't want to sugarcoat this thing. The Christian walk is a tough walk many times because you're in warfare. You're in direct confrontation of principalities and powers. So part two, once again, that Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, it says, I press on. So today I'm going to talk about press on. A couple of minutes. i got 12 minutes left. I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So the Lord Jesus Christ already laid a hold of you. He has plans for you. He has purposes for you. He has a good life for you. And the word good life doesn't mean, you know, Barbados sitting under the sun. The good life is a life that glorifies God, a life full of purpose, a life where you, are, you, you mean something. You're significant and you're connected with others that are living that life that's pleasing to God. And you, you're blessing people. Well, it says here that he already determined that for you, but Paul said, now I have to what, what did he say? I have to press on to lay hold of that which he already determined I would have. So there's even a battle to be able to grab on to what God wants you to have. Remember in the Old Testament? I've given you this land. So the 12 leaders go in. They come back and say, we can't take that land. Excuse me. God determined that that's yours. But we can't. They're giants. Well, similarly today, God is saying, I have this life for you. I have this ministry for you. I have this call for you. I have this provision for you. Oh, uh, I can't. There are giants all around me. We do the same thing. We criticize those Old Testament folk, but yet we do the same thing. Our giants are different, though. Our giant might be family. Our giant might be the work. Our giant might be a physical issue. Our big giant is the mind. Because everything that God speaks to you, your mind will challenge it. Because the mind isn't born again. Our spirit man is born again. But now we have to start changing our mind. We have to renew our minds. That's one of the biggest giants that we have to fight. So Paul understood that, that even though it's God's will for me to excel, it's God's will for me to press on and to achieve, it's our responsibility to partner with the will of God. What does the, the prayer say? The our, Lord, our, our Lord prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Kingdom come, thy will be done. See, so even though it's his will in heaven, we have to make it happen on the earth. Now, the beautiful thing about it is when you partner with God's will that's in heaven, you already have the anointing for it. You already have the grace for it. But you still have to battle. You, you have to walk it out. Why? Why can't God just make it happen? It's because you're in charge. You're in charge in this earth realm. Remember, I've told you a, a thousand times, some things won't happen if man doesn't make it happen. Why? Because God created man to be in charge here in this earth realm. 
So when God's going to bless in the earth realm, some person has to grab it and make it and, and work it and walk it. You have to walk the word. You have to work the word. In order to value it and in order to bring it to manifestation in the earth realm. And that's right. That's, that's powerful, this thing, value. Because when we honor God's word, we're valuing him. We're valuing his word. When I honor your word, I'm also honoring you. It's a good word. You want to finish it? Good word, man. You got, some, you got some wisdom there that, you know. Maybe what I should do is I should finish the message and then call you because you're going to have some insight there. And, you know, I could add to that. But praise God. Value. I love it. I love it. And then it says here, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. In other words, he knew he was working it out. We look at the scripture and how Paul lived his life. One time he said, he admitted it. There are times where I want to do right, I end up doing wrong. Because, see, that, the flesh that's in me, the, that issue that's in me, that's working in me, that sin that works in us, tries to come against the very will and purposes of God. So we have to understand that. What's the matter with me? It's not what's the matter with you. It's that there's a sin nature that wants to battle against the purposes of God. So you have to mature to the point where you see the difference. That's not me. That's something that's in operation. But now I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of God, so I'm not going to give in to that. The problem with society today, the problem with society today is that they want, not, not want, they have legalized those feelings. And that's the worst possible thing they could have done, is legalize it, then empower, and then they... They put value on the works of the flesh. So now, if you have a revelation of nature, if you just understand what... This word, morality, has been decimated. Somebody put a bomb in the middle of morality between R and A, and it just literally imploded. Morality is no longer morality. They are redefining what morality is. And here's the problem. When you get rid of the foundation, anything you built on that place won't stand. So now... Instead of working with somebody that's working with an issue of the flesh or maybe a mental, maybe an emotional issue, working with them, helping them to come out. Now they say, oh, no, 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 let them feel that way. Let them experience the feeling. Let them go with it. Yeah, let them pick their own gender, even at age three. Yeah, because now it's um, babies. That's the word I was looking for last week, babies. Don't call them babies anymore. Call them babies. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, listen, when I heard it, I was immediately offended. Babies. There are groups of people right now wanting to push through legislation that you don't identify the sexuality of the child when they're first born. Leave it neutral. And for the first three or four years, and then let them define who they want to be. It's, 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 it's an alternate sexuality now. But you see how, how wicked this comes, how, how a slippery slope we have empowered, given value to, and legalized the works of the flesh, the feelings. 
So here, here's, here's the rub of this. Here's the rub. This is being taught at school. This is being taught in the universities. It's being taught colleges all over the place. Obviously, they're working the, the legal system. So from here to 10 years, from here to 10 years, all those people going to school now is what they're learning. So they're going to come and take places of authority. They're going to come and become uh, the lawyers, the congressmen. So within 10 years, all of that will become normal, and we will become abnormal. It already is. To, yes, yes. But, but here's the issue. Remember what I said? There are principalities and powers. These principalities and powers have darkened the sight or the understanding of the people. So what happens is, is that correspondingly, if you don't submit to that, then there's a persecution that comes behind it. That's where the persecu persecution comes. Because now what will happen is, if you just, in an honorable, respectable way, says, with all due respect, isn't the sexuality, for example, uh, the gender of a child, isn't the sexuality based on the chromosomes and also upon, you know, you look at the body, 99.8% of the people you'll be able to easily identify Unless they're, I've, I don't know the name, hermaphrodite, yeah, that, thank you. Unless they're hermaphrodite, which means that both things could be working. Then in that case, you have to go to the chromosomes or to the DNA. But 99.8%, all I got to do is take off the pamper. And boom, there you go. <laughs> One would think, but not today. If you dare to say that. You are a bigot, you are a homophobe, you are a racist, and of course you're a misogynist. Misogynist is a hater of women. But they're throwing everything. As soon as you go, they come, they come at you with all the words. Uh, listen, I have no problem with sitting down and debating. I have no problem in disagreeing. I'll agree to disagree. This has always been the way the United States is. But today, there's a strong shift and a strong current.